fall. Performing, practicing, refining our skills, all, giving it our all, creating a show that would entertain the audience and stretch who we were as individuals. All of that band consumed more and more of my life as the years went on, as I was fortunate to have trips that would then reward us for all of our hard work. My freshman year, I got to march in the Orange Bowl Parade. And then my senior year, we marched in the Rose Bowl Parade. So band never stopped. It consumed my life, my high school years. And what a blessing it was to have something fruitful consume who I was. I bet many of you have a story similar, or you can recall a season in your life where you have been consumed by something. Maybe it was band like me, or maybe it was sports, or hunting, or jobs, or raising a family, or I'm sure the list could go on and on and on. Even now, as we sit in this room, many of us might have to admit that our minds are consumed with something. Maybe it's what am I going to do this afternoon or the grocery list or whatever that might be. Our lives get consumed. To be consumed is to be overwhelmed, to be obsessed, to be preoccupied with something. So my question for you today is what is consuming your mind? Are you consumed with your own troubles and worries and struggles and fears and anxieties Or are you consumed with the things of God? Are you preoccupied with the things of this world, like your finances and school and workplace, relationships, addictions, whatever that might be? Are you consumed with the things of God? I imagine this. What if my life and all of our lives here today were consumed with Christ? What if all that flowed from me and from you was God's grace and mercy and love and hope? What if our minds were so consumed that our every thought and every action was about who Christ is and what Christ is calling us to do? You can tell today we're going to talk about being consumed, can you not? So today I pray and I ask you to join me in praying that the Holy Spirit consume us. That the Holy Spirit take over who we are of this world and move us and use us to be who he calls us to be. We're going to go back. I told you to keep those Bibles out. We're going to go back to Romans 12.1. We have been given an invitation today to live a life following Jesus in Romans 12.1. I'm going to read it for you again. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We have been called to be 
a living sacrifice. Before we encounter this scripture today in Romans, Paul has spent the first 11 chapters explaining to the people of Rome that God's grace is available for all people. God's gift is to all people of salvation, of rescuing us from our sin and from death. He goes on now to challenge us not to just receive the gift, but to live the gift. He goes on to challenge us to live as a living sacrifice. The message translation helped me with this just a little bit. So I want to read it to you in the message translation to understand what it means to be a living sacrifice. This is Romans 12.1 from the message. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. You're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Whoa. That's not easy. Place your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life as an offering before God. Sounds like a good idea, right? I want to do that. We all want to do that. But it's not easy. As soon as we leave church today, I guarantee you, someone is going to pull out in front of you and the road rage will set in. Or I guarantee you that one of your family members is going to frustrate you just a little bit and the snippiness will set in. We are called to live our everyday, ordinary life as a living sacrifice for God. But friends, we can't do it on our own. We cannot do it on our own. We need help. We need divine intervention to come into our lives. We need the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit to consume us so that we can live a life our life as a living sacrifice to God. So maybe you're thinking, but what is a life, living a life as a living sacrifice to God look like? Are there some markers that I should look to? The first thing I thought about in preparing this was who do I know that I could see living their life as a living sacrifice. Well, last week while I was working on this, while on mission trip, I didn't have to look far. There were individuals that were sleeping on rock hard beds and getting up with a joyful attitude to serve someone. There were individuals in 100 degree heat saying, what do I need to do next to help this homeowner? There were individuals who prepared our meals and served us with love and grace and mercy. That was their whole task for the week. There were individuals who walked into a home in unpleasing conditions and didn't bat an eye to serve a family who was struggling with health issues. When you think to yourself, who do you know that is living their life as a living sacrifice 
think there's a few marks that our scripture today shares with us that we can glean so that we can begin to live our life as a living sacrifice. The first one of those, and you can mark these in your Bible if you want. It's great to highlight and take notes and all those good things in your scripture, in your Bible. The first way that we can know that we are living our life for God and becoming a living, living sacrifice is a having a different way of learning. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve that God's will is and his good and pleasing and perfect will. Our minds cannot be the minds of those of this world. They must be a mind that is transformed by Christ. When we renew our minds to the minds of Christ, we imitate who Christ is in the world. And the only way in which we can do that is with intimate time in scriptures, understanding and growing in our knowledge of Christ. We learn about Christ's character through the scriptures. We learn about who Christ is as we spend intimate time listening to Christ, receiving the whispers that he whispers to us. It is in our quiet time that we can be transformed and our minds can be transformed as the mind of Christ is. And it is in that quiet time in our transformation that the, we then will discover what the will of God is. If we begin to transform our minds, we will begin to transform our wills into the will of God. And when we are transformed into the will of God, we are transforming into the good and pleasing and perfect will Christ has for our life. We can transform our learning by turning our worrying into praying, by turning our stress into reading the scriptures, and by turning our hate into love. When you and I have a different way of learning, a way that is not of this world, but of God, we will then be consumed by the Holy Spirit. We will be con begin to be consumed by God's grace and his love and his mercy. And we will be transforming into a living sacrifice for God and following his will. The first step is to have a different way of learning. The second thing I want you to think about or the second mark of discipleship and living a sacrificial life is to have a different way of living. You know, we can learn all we want and we are gaining some head knowledge in that, right? But that head knowledge then must be put into practice in our lives. Our lives must then match the knowledge we have in our head and in our heart. When Paul was writing to the church in Rome in these passages, he was writing to a church that looked a little different than all of us gathered here today. You see, we are a large group gathered here today to hear the scriptures and to praise God. The church Paul is writing to was small individual church homes 
that were gathered together. They were meeting in these homes around the city, and they were all learning these things, but there were still differences. And Paul was concerned and worried that some of these differences would create jealousy and ego and pride, and all those things would start to overcome who they were. So he wanted to make sure they knew that they needed to not just learn and create some knowledge within them, but they needed to live what they were learning. There are three key components to living our life differently that I want us to hear today. I'm going to read verses 3 through 12 to you again from Romans, and then we're going to talk about these three components. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of you has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, though many form one body, each member belongs to the other. We have been given different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it is um, faith, then have faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encourage. If it is giving, then give. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. First word. You may have to read a little into it. Humble. In verse 3, it says, don't think of yourself more highly than someone else. Live humbly as Jesus was humble. The second word that we're called to to live differently is unity. We all belong to each other. We are all a part of the family of God, and we are all part of this body of Christ gathered here today. In the scriptures, it says, in Christ... Though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to one another. We, as the body of Christ, are being called to unity and love for one another. And the third piece to this scripture in Living Different is gifts. Each of us have been gifted with different things. I'm going to challenge you to figure out what those gifts are and use those gifts to serve God and his church faithfully. You see, when we learn things, then our, our living is translated as well. Our different way of learning should not be just learning. It should be translated into our living as well. And the third mark of a discipleship is that we, as Christ followers have a different way of loving. Here, Paul is going to get pretty practical with us. And I'm going to be quite honest. Some of these are hard. Some of these are challenging. But in the scripture, I'm going to read to you. I want you to look at it as we read it, if you can. In this passage, we are given 30 no-nonsense ways that we are called to love one another. So as we look at this passage, and as I read it out loud to you, if you don't have a Bible before you... I want to ask that you be open to the Holy Spirit to say, hmm, we might need to work on this one. Hmm, this one is something I need to be more mindful of. 
Because we are called to love. And we are called to love all of God's children. Love in action. So we're going to read verses 9 um, through 21. And I'm going to read these slow so you can hang on to these as we read the scripture. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. And do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of lower position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for another evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. But on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I think all 30 of those sound fabulous. They all sound fabulous. But I'll be the first to confess that I have work to do. I have work to do as I'm becoming a living sacrifice for God in loving all people the way I should. When we allow the love of Jesus and the Holy Spirit to come and consume us, we will be known by our love and how we love others. Columbia First, you are a people striving to live your life as a living sacrifice. We have been humble servants together. You have taught me much about life. And God, we have learned together all about God. We are working on and becoming a church on fire for God. And that does not change because one person changes. This church has been called to be an instrument in this community. This church has been called to be on fire and to love the world like Christ loves the world. So I say thank you today. Thank you for showing me how to love Jesus more fully. Thank you for how you have been a humble servant with me and for me. And thank you for how you have loved me for 20 years. But dear friends, I'm going to challenge you that this is not over. We are not any of us living into who Christ has called us to be yet. We have much more to do. 
We are all called to be that living sacrifice. We are all on a journey and today is not the end and the end is not in sight till we meet Jesus. So I'm going to call you to say, we're not done. Consume us today, Holy Spirit, because we cannot do it on our own. We need the presence and the person and the power of the Holy Spirit to consume us in a unique and special way so that we can live into the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'm going to...